Game Changer Episode 31, Gamified Goal Setting in the Enterprise, Helping People Win at Work, featuring Chris Duggan of BetterWorks. Welcome to Game Changer, a series on using gamification to engage employees. Join us as industry experts discuss one of the hottest trends in business today. Using game thinking to engage employees in work, wellness, recruiting, and more. This is a special podcast series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, The Engaging Leader. And now, with nearly 20 years of experience helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees at Fortune 500 companies and other organizations, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Game Changers. This is the show for CEOs, HR executives, and other business leaders to learn about internal gamification. Over the course of this series, you'll hear examples and pitfalls, discover how to assess when it's an appropriate strategy, and learn to evaluate gamification partners and game design ideas. For those of you who follow my blog and other podcast, Engaging Leader, you know that I'm a big believer in setting goals and revisiting them on a regular basis. Otherwise, as Yogi Berra once said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll wind up somewhere else. That's important on an individual level to be clear on what you hope to accomplish in key areas of your professional and personal life. And it's important on an organizational level. But of course, that's a lot more difficult because you need to have uh, you need people to have goals that both engage them personally, support the organization's strategic goals, and actually lead to better performance. Now at Aspendale, we've helped companies communicate their strategic goals to the workforce and provide ongoing updates. So I know firsthand the challenges. Historically, at most companies, goal setting and measurement has been a necessary evil. Senior management knows it's important. Mid-level managers and employees find the process tedious and question its value. And you know what? Nobody really feels satisfied with the results. So, is this an opportunity for gamification? To discuss that question, we've invited back one of our very first guests from Game Changer Episode 2, Chris Duggan. Chris was founder of Badgeville when we talked to him last, and now he is CEO of BetterWorks, which provides a gamified goals platform for the enterprise. Chris Duggan, welcome back to Game Changer. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Chris, before we jump into what BetterWorks does, catch us up on your personal story. When you joined us on Game Changer two years ago, we talked about your past experiences at WebEx, Social Techs, and then Badgeville. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was uh, running Badgeville for uh, quite some time and went through a very high period of growth. And, uh, you know, the um, one of the things that I actually saw as an opportunity there was with my own personal experience, you know, growing the company to about 100 people, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that everybody in the company could articulate the top three to five things that they were working on at any one moment in time to create value for the company and for their position and, uh, you know, basically a goals process. And I, I actually looked for software off the shelf to help us do that at scale. And I couldn't find anything. And we ended up using PowerPoint and Chatter, which is the <laughs> Salesforce product. And uh, it was kind of a clunky solution. And uh, that kind of 
stuck with me is, you know, there must be a better way or a more modern way to kind of facilitate how do you align and coordinate a lot, you know, a large, a large organization. And what I found was after starting to talk to many, many different leaders and companies was that everybody was doing it in a very antiquated way. And that was basically the basis for BetterWorks. And I started that about two years ago. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a, just a kind of a crazy ride since then. <laughs> Tell me about the phrase that you use a lot when you describe BetterWorks, helping people feel like they're winning at work. Yeah. You know, so I think if you look at what are the, you know, big challenges inside companies today, I, I think, you know, the, the first, I think there's two big ones. The first is how do you align everybody in the organization so that they're all working on the right things? And I think that's a kind of a top-down kind of leadership kind of challenge. Uh, and communication challenge. And then I think the second thing is like, how do you connect everybody and feel that get them motivated and engaged and, and having purpose and just really executing at their potential. And I think that's an engagement problem. And I think that's kind of a bottoms up problem. And so, you know, winning at work to me is like, how do you tap into this concept of, you know, feeling like you have purpose, feeling like you have clarity, knowing how your work contributes to the big picture uh, and just, you know, just really pushing ahead every single day. And, you know, the metaphor for me, you know, at first I kind of saw that this goals process was, you know, pretty kludgy and pretty broken. The second thing that kind of inspired me was a couple of years ago when I was at Badgeville, we were doing a Fitbit contest in the company. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the mobile app from Fitbit. And I was like, wow, this thing is cool. I get to see how others are doing and I get to track my own progress and it feels good. And I feel like, you know, if, if I need to catch up a little bit, I know what I need to do. And it, it keeps me on point. And, you know, and then, you know, but at work, you come to work, there's no app for that. There's no experience like that. And so, you know, I guess that's a big part of our inspiration is how do you create that emotional connection with feeling like you're winning? You didn't set out purposely to create a gamified platform and yet you obviously, especially with that inspiration coming from Fitbit, there are aspects of better works that have an obvious gamification element. Can you tell us about those? Yeah. So, and, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, I, I spent a lot of time obviously in kind of the gamification field, you know, created the number one category, you know, company in the category, wrote a book on the topic. <laughs> I spent years and years kind of thinking about this stuff. I guess when I came to BetterWorks, it wasn't about let's gamify the existing workflow. It was let's modernize something that's being done in PowerPoint and Excel for most companies <laughs> worldwide. And most of these companies, by the way, do these things annually. They don't even do them quarterly. Uh, and, and there's a whole host of challenges around that that we can talk about if, if you're interested. And so it wasn't let's gamify it. It was let's modernize it and let's make sure that we really focus on engagement because if we get engagement, then we're going to be, you know, make it very successful. And so I think that then resulted in, okay, let's harness some of the things that we know around how to drive engagement, which are now kind of manifested in the product. But it didn't start with like, let's gamify it. And what's funny is in some ways, you know, I can obviously see a very natural kind of connection with the Badgeville work. And in other ways, I think it's kind of totally unrelated to the work that I did at Badgeville. <laughs> well, yeah, tell me about your whole delving into what you call goal science and what you've discovered from that. Yeah. So the first, before we even wrote any lines of code, 
the, what I what we spent a fair amount of time thinking about was, you know, and I read like you know everything there. Was, I've always been very goals and metrics oriented, but you know, like now that we're going to start a company on this, we better read like every piece of research ever put out. <laughs> and it turns out actually like there isn't a whole lot of modern research. There's a lot of like kind of historical research that goes back 30, 40, 50 years. You know, there's anecdotes around the Fitbit stuff and all these kind of like kind of like quantified self things. But, you know, what I wanted to do was kind of put it, put out a, a piece of, of thinking and kind of research that we ended up calling goal science. It was a, it was a white paper. It's actually still one of our high performing assets on, on the website. And uh, it, it basically goes into the five pillars of goal science which is kind of the, the inspiration for then what became the product. And the, the very short version of that is, you know, the first pillar is connectedness, which is how do you make sure that things aren't just top down anymore, but also bottoms up and sideways. And there's a whole way of like rethinking how people get aligned and coordinated versus the very traditional hi hierarchical top down kind of approach. The second is supportedness, which is just how do you make this process social? And there's a ton of data that shows once you put your goals out there for others to see, your attainment skyrockets. So, you know, why not? Why would you ever think of this as a private process? You, it should be a public process inside the company. By the way, most of this is driven by the fact that historically, a lot of the goal work that people do inside companies is tied to performance management. Yes. And there's a ton of research to suggest that doing a decoupling of that from goal management and performance management actually will drive more business results for companies. And so that was kind of part of the inspiration. Uh, progress is the third pillar, which is recording your progress. And today, by the way, most companies today, they don't even encourage you to record your progress against your goals. That would be like if Fitbit sent you an email at the end of the year with your step count. <laughs> That's how most companies work today. Yeah. Uh, adaptability just means being able to change on the fly. And there's a ton of research in that area. And then the fifth pillar is uh, being aspirational. And encouraging people to set stretch goals. And there's a ton of research on that as well. You know, what's interesting, by the way, is if you get assigned a goal, uh, your, uh, your ability to attain the goal is, is sometimes questionable. If you actually created the goal yourself, uh, the research shows you'll set a higher target for yourself than if you were assigned the goal. And your belief of attainment in the higher target is actually higher than the lower target that you were assigned. Isn't that something? So there's all this psychology at play about measurement and feeling like you're making progress and you know the small wins and building on that momentum and setting stretch goals and all this kind of like psychological implication that you can tap into as a business owner that is kind of you know not being any kind of incorporated. Uh, today and, and we think there's a huge opportunity to to leverage those concepts. So the traditional process is that the highest level of the organization, let's say the board and the CEO, will set some strategic goals, or maybe it's the CEO and the rest of the C-suite will set some organizational level goals, and then those get cascaded down to the next level. And let's say the CEO's direct reports, or the or the direct reports to the C-level people. Uh, are supposed to set personal goals that will support those higher level goals, and then it gets cascaded to each uh, department below that. Yeah, I would say that there's a ton of different ways that different companies are doing it, uh, most of which are fairly antiquated and and are and, and in varying degrees of like 
adherence and kind of quality. And as an example, you know, I just talked to a company the other day uh, with um, 82,000 knowledge workers. They do 82,000 Word documents once per year to do this process. <laughs> and uh, they said they would, they wish they could do that quarterly, but it would just mean 82,000 times four documents. And it's just, it's just unfeasible. Um, I, I met with another leader recently. They did a survey of their employees and this was a large company, like 50,000 people. Um, and they said that the survey came back saying 26% uh, uh, of the people in the company thought that senior management didn't have goals because hmm. there's no visibility. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of, in the thing, in that process that you just outlined around like how, how does it happen? There's many nuances. And some companies wish they could do it quarterly, not annually. Some, they wish that it was much more bottoms up. Some wish that, you know, they could be much more kind of adaptable to kind of changes in their markets and dynamic. You know, a very common story that I hear is, you know, we spent like three or four months, like really buffing these goals. And then by like April or May, they were already out of date. And then we kind of just said, just work on what you think is best for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then, you know, in December, everybody spends a week, like looking at all their emails for all the things they really did. And then writing a big, long justification in their like HR system of like, well, here's what I said I was going to do, but here's what I really did and, and why it was actually much more important. And so that whole process to me seems very, you know, kind of a legacy process that needs to be kind of really, really transformed. So how does BetterWorks turn that around? So, you know, it's basically as simple as, has everybody written down the top three or four or five things that they're working on? And can everybody see those in a very open, public, and transparent way? And then a very strong emphasis on, you know, making that process social and collaborative, which means things like you can support other people's goals by contributing to their goals or people can contribute to their goals. It's very open and flexible. Uh, you can, uh, you know, using the Fitbit metaphor, you can cheer and nudge people. In Fitbit, by the way, you can cheer and taunt, but taunt we didn't think was a good workplace verb. We changed it to nudge. And anybody can cheer or nudge anybody or comment or comment on anybody's goal or at mention anybody. And it makes it a much more kind of social experience. And, you know, what ends up happening is that it ends up being not just, hey, do your goals so that you can be performance evaluated. It's let's make sure everybody knows what everybody's working on and that we're all working on the right things. And if you do that at the scale of thousands of people or tens of thousands of people, you know, that has a very transformational thing or you know, impact on like focus, engagement, alignment, clarity. Uh, you know, and like trust, I think trust inside the organization, how information flows, uh, and, you know, ultimately, you know, business results. There's obviously a growing trend in companies to have transparency, but I'm thinking of so many more traditional companies where it's going to feel really risky for a high-level leader to publish his or her goals to the whole organization. And have you have you as you when you've been talking with companies do you bump into those kinds of concerns and what do you say to them so i would say i guess i don't you know the short answer is i don't think better works is for everybody <laughs> i think that it's for companies that are high performing or want to be high performing and you know and that does mean changing some behaviors 
And it means like shifting from annual to quarterly, shifting from private to open, shifting from, you know, kind of cascading and top-down command and control to like, you know, more flexible and more kind of, you know, even more cross-functional. And, you know, I, by the way, I don't think all of those changes have to happen on day one. This can also be a journey of how you change. And I kind of think of it as, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure you remember like the yammers of the world and kind of, you know, the earlier collaboration systems. Mm-hmm. Imagine like before, I don't think, by the way, BetterWorks could be successful if those technologies hadn't laid the groundwork to get people even like before, like before, like 10 years ago, companies didn't even like talk cross-departmentally or there was no visibility, no conversation, no communication, no collaboration. Those systems kind of put in like the base, the kind of foundation for that. And then now all we're doing is now extending that to the goal setting process. And most companies are actually not just asking for this, but their employees demand it. And, you know, a lot of our companies that we work with, like they'll do surveys or hear feedback from employees that they need this kind of visibility, understanding, you know, et cetera. And by the way, like if you were an employee today, a millennial or anybody, you know, would you want to work for the company where they like, are they open? They have a culture of trust. There's transparency. There's accountability. I mean, this doesn't eliminate accountability. It probably increases it. What it does is it minimizes like politicking and like, you know, kind of controlling information. And, you know, which kind of company would you want to work for? And I think that's why if you look in the press right now, there's so much discussion and debate around like eliminating performance reviews, moving, changing how they're going to retain their workers. And, you know, the reality is like the millennial group is like the largest population inside these companies. And, you know, I just met with a leader the other day that 83% of their workforce is millennial. And if you're not giving like feedback and real time and recognition and direction and purpose and uh, connecting your work with the big picture, those people are going to just move on to something else. Yeah, it's just as important to them as as pay and other aspects of their compensation. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I know Better Work has only been in operation for a couple of years now, but have you been able to have any data or case studies to th- that show that you're making a meaningful difference so far? Yeah. And I would say, you know, along the lines of the things that we just talked about, uh, I, I think the value derived is different for different companies. It could be we want to be more open or it could be, you know what, we're doing this kind of operationalization at scale of, you know, thousands of people. And we want to like eliminate all of the like manual work that happens around using Excel and PowerPoint. And so it's more about time savings. It could be things like, uh, wanting to align around specific cross-functional initiatives that maybe they weren't able to do before. Uh, just to give you an example, I was talking with uh, the president of a really large company uh, a month or so ago, and she said that uh, they, they, they use success factors, which is you know, a very traditional kind of thing, HR kind of annual thing. And she said, you know, we used to be one business, and, you know, success factors was fine. We would cascade goals. It was very top down, but it was for that organization. It worked fine. But she said, now we've acquired these other businesses. And for us to really harness the value of all of our people and all of our expertise, we need to do all this kind of cross-functional coordination to make it like one plus one equals three. And we literally can't do that in success factors. It's too hierarchical. It's too rigid. It's too private. It's not collaborative. It's not social. So, 
you know, it's those kinds of stories I think that are like really interesting around like, you know, I think the technology hasn't kept pace with how people want to work. And, you know, people want to work not just top down or, you know, kind of anymore. It's bottoms up. It's sideways. It's, you know, the, the remote office wants to feel connected with corporate office. It's, you know, it's the, you know, it's, the, you know, they want more, more frequent engagement around these kinds of feedback and things like that, that I think that's where, you know, we really have a place to, to shine in that kind of landscape of, of existing technology. So in BetterWorks, is there any organization structure at all, or is it more like Facebook where you're just connected with everybody in the company and you can just look at whoever you want to look at or, or praise or nudge whoever you want to? Yeah, no, we, we definitely, we, so we integrate with like Workday, SuccessFactors, Oracle, Fusion, et cetera, where we import all of your organizational structure into our product. And it, it does give you a little bit of context, right? Like that allows us to kind of, you can slice and dice things by division or department or team, you know, or your peer group. So we kind of have that context. Uh, we also realize that managers have to have a little bit more permissioning than the individuals. For example, if somebody checks something in, you know, some progress and you wanted to override that or change that, you know, maybe in a one-on-one, per, you know, with that person, you can do those kinds of things. So we definitely have the context for permissioning and structure. The difference is that we do allow by default, anybody, you know, we don't lock down goals or make them private by default. They're open by default and anybody can become a contributor to anybody's goal. Uh, now that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you know, it's like everything's gone crazy and anything can happen. There's still kind of social norms that have to be kind of, you know, demonstrated, but it's, it's much more focused on making it collaborative and matching actually how people really do work than this very kind of traditional kind of legacy approach. Chris, how much does it cost for an organization to implement BetterWorks? Yep. So uh, the price for our service is uh, $15 per user per month. And then uh, as you start to have, uh, you know, volumes of users in the hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands, then obviously we, you know, provide volume discounting to make that, you know, it could be in the single digits uh, per month uh, per user, you know, and, and typically uh, we find that we're able to build a very strong business case from time savings and then also uh, some of the other things we talked about to, you know, help justify that. What's the target market for BetterWorks? I would say it's all companies, but the ones that we're focused on today are really medium to large companies. Uh, and that could be a, a division or a group or an organization within a big company uh, or even just the entire company, you know, at scale. And so uh, today we actually are saying that there's a 50 user minimum to deploy our product. Uh, but we're also looking at maybe kind of expanding that to, you know, help potentially some smaller teams and companies use it over time. But today we're, we're definitely focused on kind of mid, medium to large. And is it a, a prerequisite that the the organization, I assume they probably have to have an HRIS, but not necessarily uh, an existing performance management system like SuccessFactors? Yeah, they probably do have some kind of HR system. Uh, they, they, they're at that scale, but it's not a prerequisite. But it, typically that's what we would find. And, you know, we integrate with like Active Directory and Google Apps and all that kind of stuff for the user authentication. Uh, and and then they, you usually get the HR data from their thing. You know, Workday is very popular or, or systems like that. How can someone find out more or take the next step with BetterWorks? 
Yeah, I think just come to our website, betterworks.com, and we have a ton of white papers. We have a great blog. We're always putting out great content, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in a variety of uh, topics related to the things that we've been talking about here. And so, yeah, we'd love people to, uh, you know, reach out to us and, and engage with us. Chris Duggan, CEO of BetterWorks, thank you for joining us on Game Changer. Thanks, Jesse. All right, Game Changers, we'll provide the information and links that Chris mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash GC31, as in Game Changer, episode 31. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the weekly leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share more ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Until next time, remember, life is short, so keep it fun. You can find both Game Changer and Engaging Leader podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. To stay up on the latest news and trends in internal gamification, join the Game Changer group on LinkedIn. We'll automatically direct you to our LinkedIn group when you go to engagingleader.com group. Subscribe to our e-digest at engagingleader.com newsletter. When you do, we'll send you a free copy of Jesse's ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders. You can also follow Jesse on Twitter, at Jesse Leahy, and like us at facebook.com engagingleader. Game Changer is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that helps mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, and Peter McIsaac, who composed our theme music. 